welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning, I just, um, it's great to be here. Thank you, Stephen, for that introduction. And it's always great to come to Cork and just uh, preach God's word. And, you know, God's got such a plan and purpose for every individual here. He chose you. No, the Bible says that he chose you in him before the world began. God has loved you for a very long time. Before you were good enough, before you were born, he says, before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, the Bible says that he was slain. That means before there was sin, there was a saviour. I'll say that again. There was a plan of victory for you and me and all who would come into Christ. He never loved me since I've been a Christian because that way I could validate why he should love me because I've done a lot of good things. I've, I've been a good person. I've, I've not took drugs for years. I've been kind to my wife. I've been good. He said, let me tell you, I loved you a long time ago before you did any of that in case you think my love is based on you. It's based on me. So you've been loved for a long time. And I think that's wonderful. It's not what I'm preaching on, but I thought I'd let you know that before I start. <laughs> There's two scriptures I want to read to you, but I want you to put, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to go to the book of Esther. We're going to go through the book of Esther chapter by chapter, and it will seem like a long time, but it isn't. I'm only going to take certain scriptures. And I would love you to really concentrate this morning Really give me and give God your divine attention and, and, and listening because I think what I'm about to say could really change your life forever. And so if you turn there, I'm going to read uh, Acts chapter 17 and verses 24 to 28. And the title of the sermon is that prayer and fasting changes things. Prayer and fasting changes things. So let me read this verse to you. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 to 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inherit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
God places people and places in history to do his purpose and his work. In every generation, we read it all through Genesis to Revelation, God is picking and finding and choosing men and women and placing them sometimes in very difficult situations for his glory and for his purpose. He is moving them. In him, we are moving and living and have our being. There's a spirit in us, your desires, your purpose, your motives, everything is changed for the man or woman who is truly born again. They are moving differently from the world. They are thinking in the motive. So in him, you live and move and have your being. God in all through history, and he's picked people who are imperfect. Don't you hate that? <laughs> that God picks people you don't like to go about his business? That he picks... Well, I think I'll leave that there. <laughs> the unusual, the imperfect, and yet God is moving people for his purpose. And you, in this moment, in this time in history, you're here for his purpose and for his glory. God knows how to preserve a people in the darkest of times, through troubled times, pressure times, changing times. He knows how to preserve his people. He knows how to preserve his purpose, his plans. He knows how to preserve a church and every sphere of history, when the church, all hell has come against your life, he knows how to keep you and preserve you. The book of Esther, where we're going to look at, God's name is not even mentioned in the book of Esther, but you see his wisdom, you see his providence, you see his power, you see his purpose, you see the outworkings. It's a book of miracle where God is moving and shaping things for his glory in the book of Esther. So as we turn to the book of Esther, book of Esther, chapter 2, and verse 7, there is a, a king, and he has a queen, and he wants to, this queen uh, disobeys him in one sense, and he wants to remove her, and he removes his queen, so he's looking for another queen. And in the book of Esther, uh, chapter 2, and verse 7, it says this, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadash who had been brought up. She had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features. And Mordecai take her as his own daughter because her mother and father died. Here's an orphan girl. And her mother and father died and she's an orphan. She's a Jewish girl. And her uncle has absolutely took her in and he's adopted her. You think a bad start, but this young lady was about to be moved by God to save a nation. Think about that. Probably a nobody, an orphan. Mother and father died. Not a great start. And here is God looking. Got his hand on her life. 
because she's living and moving and has her being in him and he's shaping her. And this young girl is going to save a nation. It's incredible. Just watch this story unfold and you will see the power of God and what he can do in every life. And then in chapter 2, verse 17, it just so happened that Esther was in the king's court as part of the new queens that were getting picked. Verse 17, now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. She found favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vestite. And the king gave great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all the nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the providence and distributed gifts with royal liberty. She just happened to be picked as the next queen. Just so happened, in the right place, at the right time, and the king gets her attention because God has given her favor. This is not just her beauty and her talent. God has given her favor and he looks at her and he says, and he puts a crown on this orphan's head. Of all the other women, she just happens to pick her. She just happens to catch his eye. And him. We live and move and have our being. So she gets there. And then in chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, it just so happens. Chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. Or 21. During that time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate and two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway became angry and conspired to assassinate and kill the king. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther. Mordecai, by the way, just happened to be sitting at the gate. Uh, and him. He told Esther, who turned and reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the officials were hanged on the gallows. All this was rec recorded in the Book of Remembrance in the presence of the king. Esther just so happened to become queen. Mordecai just happened to hear a plot that would kill a king and told Esther. Now, meanwhile, while all this was happening, I want you to see this. Meanwhile, while all this was happening, in Esther chapter 3 and verse 2, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honour to Haman. For the king had commanded this concerning him, because Haman was second in command 
and everybody was to bow down to him. And then it says, Mordecai would not bow down and pay him honour. Look at that. He's not bowing down. Then the royal officials at the king's gates asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the Lord's command? Day after day, they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it. What Mordecai had done, his behavior would not be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the, the idea of, of killing, killing off only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy every single Jew. Wow. Throughout the kingdom. So here's a man. Here's Esther. She's a queen. Mordecai heard the plot. And here in chapter 3, we have a man called Haman who is a type of the devil or Satan has found a vessel to move through to, to achieve destroying a nation, the people of God, a nation that God gave birth to and a seed was going to come through where redemption would come through and deliverance and hope for the whole world. And what the devil is doing is it's better to kill a seed than fight a harvest. He wants to stop you before you even start. He wants to destroy you. We're not in a game. This is a battle. There is an enemy. And when he comes in like a flood and pours his claws down your soul and you're fighting for your mind, for your heart, for your family, for your life. John 10.10. 10, that's what you got here. A John 10.10. 10, I've came to kill you. I've came to destroy you. Your marriage, your life, your kids. I'm watching. And here, he says, let's destroy every Jew. Let's take them out. And the natural, they were finished. Over this great kingdom, these Jews, they had no power. They had no power over their enemies. They had no power. They had no authority. They were weak. They were frail. But somebody bigger was on their side. <laughs> I mean, can somebody shout amen? I said somebody bigger was fighting for them. And you'll see that in a minute. Now, meanwhile, Haman, that type of devil tried to kill the Jews and there was a plot to annihilate them and destroy them and in chapter 3 as we just read verses, uh, verses 8 and 9 and Haman said to the king there's a certain people dispersed and scattered among the people in all the providence of your, your kingdom listen to this their customs are different from those of all other people. And another verse that says, their laws are different from everybody else's. Why doesn't, what well, they don't obey the king's laws. My goodness, there's a word for today. It, 
and if it pleases the king, let a degree go out to destroy them. And I will put 10,000 talents of silver into the royal treasury for every man who carries out this business. Man, you talk about hatred and a plan and a purpose. And then verse, verse 13, dispatches were sent into all the couriers, to all the king's providence with order to kill and annihilate the Jews, the young, the old, and even the little children. Just look what's happening here. Now stay with me. And then Mordecai hears about it. Obviously, it's all over the whole nation. The Jews are going to be eliminated on this day. And Haman is building gallows to hang Mordecai. Oh, this is all happening. You imagine the emotions. Your children sitting in the house with your children. You see, we'd get detached from it, but I want you to enter into their lives for a minute. And then in chapter 4, verses 1, it says, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and wept, and went out into the city, and wept loudly and bitterly. And then in verses 7 and 8, Mordecai uh, told him everything that, that had happened, uh, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text and the letter about the annihilation, and he had it published to show Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence and to beg for mercy for the people. Now, I want to just say that, stop there for a minute. Do you know that you have access to the king? I says, do you know that you've been given divine favor and have access to the king for any situation, for any giant, any trouble? You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has all authority, all power, you have access to the King. And Mordecai said, Esther, you're privileged. You've got access to the King. Go in. Now listen to what, what Esther does. Now in those days, when you went to the King, if he didn't hold out his scepter, you were dead. You'd be killed. This woman was in a very dangerous position. And yet, dangerous, scary, frightening, troubled, and yet she was right in the will of God. You won't hear that preached. Dangerous, troubled, hard-pressed, annihilation, kids are going to be killed, there's a force bigger than them against them, and she's right bang in the will and the purpose of God. Mordecai. Because Esther says, if I go to the king, I will die. And so that message gets back to Mordecai. Listen to what Mordecai says. Mordecai in chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. And he sent back a message. This is Mordecai. He sent back the answer. No, he never said, you know, oh, Esther, that's awful. And I, I, I feel your pain. I feel it. Listen to this man. Talk to this young woman who could die, by the way. Talk about backbone. Listen to this. Then he sent back this answer. Don't you think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? For if you remain silent, 
Now there's a word that the enemy's trying to do to the church today. If I can silence you by new laws, things that will terrify you, things you could be in trouble for, I'll just muzzle the mouth of every preacher. But I'll tell you, the silence and the pressure and the troubles are, are exposing all the phony fire, phony teachers and man-made gimmicks. Those with a true voice now are standing up and being heard and the power of God is going to be moving in our nation again. Hallelujah. If you remain silent, he told her, at this time, at this time, relief and deliverance will come. If you want to be part of it and you want to be in, I'm going to give you my spirit, I'm going to give you a voice. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you authority. You might get put in prison. You might get put here. This might happen. But if you remain silent, I'll raise up somebody else. Don't worry. You're saved. I still love you. But if you want to be in the purpose of God, if you want to surrender and say, no matter what, I'm in this for the long haul. Thy will be done. I bend my will. I bow my fear. I come against this enemy. I will not be silent. Oh, somebody, come on. Oh, somebody, come on. I won't. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come and rise from another place. Nobody's indispensable. Whole churches are not indispensable who are silent anyway. But for you, your father and your family will perish. And who knows? And who knows? In this difficult place. Yes, you might die. But who knows, Esther? That you've been brought to the kingdom. Oh, I love it. And it's not just because I'm Glaswegian. It's because I'm a born again spirit fold. And the battle's already been won. Who knows? That you, little, old, orphan, weak, frail, nobody, uneducated, nothing, you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Listen to your reply. Go and gather all the Jews. Here's the action plan. No big strategy, no team meetings. Not get the books out, how to win a battle, 10 steps, how to overcome. Listen to her action plan. Esther sent a message, go and gather all the Jews who are in Suzanne and fast for me. There's the plan. It's always been the plan. There is no other way. Fast and pray. And then after you've done that, fast and pray. And after you've done that, pray and fast and keep going because God still speaks. God will give you a plan. He'll make a way where there is no way. She's only asking one thing. Get everybody, get every Jew, get every Christian. Pray and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast. No asking everybody else to fast. I'll do it too. When this is done, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But I'll perish 
and the will of God. I'll perish in this hard place. I'll perish whether I'm young or whether I'm old, whether I got married or whether I'm single, because I trust Him, because in Him I live and move and have my being. And He set me in the kingdom for such a time as this. If He takes me home, He takes me home. I'm in a fire and God is able to deliver us. But if He doesn't, we're not bowing down. We're still going to go on because my God is able to do more abundantly than I think I ask. If I perish, I'm speaking to a young generation. Lift your hands by the grace of God, by the power of God and all new laws. Don't be silent. You're brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Get that spirit in you. If I perish, I perish. But as for me and my house, we, come on, say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the king, whew, brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Esther goes to the king. Esther, I've got 10 minutes. Esther chapter 5 and verses 1 and 3. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courts of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Esther standing in the hall, he was pleased with her and he held out the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of his, his scepter. Then the king asked, what is, it, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? You talk about God of more than enough. Yet you go in, he asked the king for one thing, and he, and he says, up to half my kingdom is yours. She's, she's not even said a word yet. Talk about God's willingness to give you more abundantly than you think I'll ask. You're just getting there. And he said, I'll give you half the kingdom. What do you want? <laughs> what a God. And she tells the story about the Jews and speaks to him. And then something amazing happens. Something absolutely amazing. In Esther chapter 6, in verse 1 to 3. Listen to this now. This is so important before we finish. That night the king could not sleep. So he, he ordered the book of Chronicles that rec recorded of his reign to be brought in as he read it. You know, when you can't sleep at night, the first thing you do is get the book of remembrance in and Chronicles. <laughs> what a strange thing. When you wake up, you think, you know, is anybody, I need a cup of hot chocolate. I need he said, the king woke up. Let me ask you something. Who nudged him? Who woke him up? And why did he ask for the book? We read on. And you'll find out. As, as, he was, as they, they brought it in, they read it to him. And was found there that Mordecai had exposed a plan where the king was going to get killed. They just happened to open it up at the bit where it was recorded about Mordecai saying that two people were going to kill you. They just found the page. And then the king asked this question. He says this, who, who is this Mordecai? And have we rewarded him? And they said, no, not, uh, 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 sorry, verse, verse um, three, 
What honour and recognition did Mordecai receive, the king asked? Nothing has been done for him. Oh, I love this next bit. What a turnaround. Esther chapter 6, verse 6. So listen to this happens. When Haman, this is Haman, the one who's going to kill everybody. When Haman entered the king, asked him, what would, be, what, what would should be done for the man who the king delights to honour? He's asking Haman. Listen to what Haman said. Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king will honour rather than me? He's in for the shock of his life. So he answered the king, for this man, the king delights to honour. Have them bring a royal robe that the king has worn and put him on a king's horse and, 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 and on the crest, place it on his head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most noble princes. Let the robe and the king's delight to honour and lead him and the horse through the whole city with all the streets. And then the king said to Haman, go at once and get Mordecai. What, what, what was that? Pardon? <laughs> Go and get Mordecai and do it to him. And then Esther chapter 8, 5 to 8. Now listen to this. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me favour and think it's right thing to do, and if he please with me, let an order be written overruling everything that Haman, the son of Hamada and the Agarite devised and wrote against to destroy the Jews and all the king's providence. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people and how can I bear to see the destruction of my family? Verse eight, and it says, now written another degree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews and seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be reversed. He reversed it. Let me just say this to you. Haman ended up getting, ha uh, Haman, yeah, ended up getting hanged on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. The whole nation, the whole nation was saved by two people who lived and moved and had their being in him. Your insignificant life, you might not be at the king's gate, but you might be at the school gate. You might be in a neighborhood, you think, God, get me out of here. And God said, I put you in here. We're trying to get out of stuff where God put me in because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about your neighbor. It's about a world. It's about being sought in light. It's about staying in tough places. The only person that takes you out of there is God. But until then, I dare you to believe that you've been placed in that house, in that situation, in that college, in that job, in that factory for such a time as this. And what they meant for bad, God can turn it around for good. And amazing things can happen because he's still the God of miracles. He's still the God of turnarounds. The blind still see, the lame still walk. He can move people in and move people out. But I want to say about your life this morning, for such a time as this, in him we live and move and have our being. 
And if God wants you out of where you're meant to be out of, believe me, he's big enough to make a way where there is no way and you'll just know it's time to go. But until then, until then, I was just saying to somebody the other day, until then, Paul said, I'm in prison. I'm not a prisoner of Nero. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of my circumstances. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm handcuffed to the purpose of God. I'm sitting in this prison cell for one reason. In Him, I live, I move, and I have my being. He wasn't sitting there saying, God, get me out. He said, Timothy, get some paper. He's still speaking to me. He's still coming through walls and prisons. He's still coming in this limited place. And he writes the book of Ephesians. Not bad, is it? Thank God he never got out or we would never have known about he was chosen and slain before the foundation of the world and it all came from a prison cell because he refused. He was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. His hand was on Esther and placed her to be queen. His hand was on Mordecai and sat him at a gate. His hand was on awakening king and let him read the right place. I want to say this to you before I finish. The Christian is never in checkmate. Never in checkmate. Goliath, terrifying a whole nation. A voice that paralyzed, and, it, and it, sometimes it is a voice, a voice that paralyzes you, your confidence, a voice that they undermines you, a voice it crippled a nation. And God said, I've brought a man into the kingdom and him I live and move and have his being. He doesn't wear armor. He do, he's not been trained up. He's a shepherd boy and he's got a sling in his hand and he's in the purpose of God. And Goliath goes, checkmate. And God looks down and said, but I've got one more move. I've got one more move. And a boy comes down with some sandwiches. Whole destiny, whole purpose. You see, some of you want to be some big king, big man, big person, but are you willing to carry sandwiches first? And him. It looked like sandwiches, and it looked like his father, and it looked like he picked him up, and it's in him I love and move. The sandwiches were deployed by God to move them into position. Some of you have ignored those sandwiches and think, I don't do little things like that. And God said, your whole destiny, if you pick it up, I'll move and shape you and use you and do stuff for you. And him, I love. Moses! want to say something to all the grandparents and all the mothers and fathers here. If you're worried about our children in this generation, don't worry. You say, how can you say that? Because God brought Moses up in the enemy's camp. His mother saw something about him. Put him in the basket because in him we live and move and have our being right in the enemy's camp. The deliverer <laughs> to deliver them from Egypt was brought up in the enemy's camp. 
He can bring them up in the colleges. He can bring them up in the universities. He can preserve them anywhere. Because in him, we live and move and have our being. And he's bigger. It's not just in my hands. These hands will fail. These hands one day won't be there. But in his hands, the strength never fails. The power never fails. Destiny never fails. In him. And the Moses in that basket. And the devil says, I'm going to take him out. And God says, but I've got one more move. (laughs) They thought it was all over. And here's Moses. At the Red Sea, Israel, no weapons, no strength, no nothing. One and a half million people at the Red Sea. I'm telling you, it was difficult. And they were starting to complain. Why did we leave? Have we come here to get drowned? We're going to die now. Because see, we just live in the natural. We want to know security. And God said, I'm going to bring you to difficult places so you see the supernatural again. So you need to depend and trust me. And just when the devil goes, I've got them at the Red Sea, we're going to drown them, we've got them. He's got the sea there. He's got the whole of Egypt running towards them with all the power and all the authority and all the laws and all their gods and all the demonic forces behind it. And God says, keep running towards them. But the king, God, check me. And God says, no, I've got one more move. And he opens the Red Sea. He makes a way where there is no way because we serve the God of miracles. This is not, I mean, somebody's faith needs to rise this morning. This is not a natural church. We are a supernatural people with a supernatural God who still opens red seas, who still opens doors no man can close and closes doors that no man can open. I don't care where your life is, but I want to tell you, if you're surrendered and you're born again and you've said, if I perish, I perish, and it looks like you're all locked in, I want to tell you, the king has one more move. I've not got enough money. I've only got two loaves and fishes. And the devil goes, yeah, you're going to look like a right fool here, aren't you? Telling the people to sit down and feed them. You're going to feed all these people. You're going to build this big church. You're going to build it on what? But it's in your hand. Don't, you're going to embarrass yourself. Just tell them to go home. God says, I don't, I don't send people home who are looking for me and following me. And they thought it was all over. But the king had one more move. He said, put what you've got in my hands and I'll show you what I can do with it. 5,000 fed. And lastly, a 33-year-old man called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, nailed to a cross. Imagine Caesar on his balcony maybe thinking, we got him, it's over. And the Jew's gone, God, that message is gone now. The disciples shaking and the enemy everywhere. Think, well, it's all over. He's gone. Thank God. But God had one more move. Because the second Adam, the second Adam, the man, he was still divine, but he refused to use that, that divineness. He had to come as a man. He had to know the pain. He had to overcome as a, as a man. He said, oh, the, 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 the words I speak are not my words. The, the, the works I do are not mine. I only do what the Father tells me. In him I live and move and have my being. 
And three days later, he was back. I mean, is anybody excited about that? The king was back. He was dead, but now he's alive because the king had one more move. And my last verse, and then we'll pray. Esther chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. Listen to this. They should teach this in our Sunday schools, I think. 27 to 29. Then the Jews looked up. Then the Jews took it upon themselves to establish a custom. They and their descendants and all joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed at the time and appointed. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by family and in every providence and in every city. And these days of Purim should never cease to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of them die out among their descendants. See that? God wants or everybody to remember this story, that it's never checkmate, and that your little life and my little life, as difficult as it is, as difficult as it is, and, it's, and for some people sitting here, you have no idea the place they're locked into at the moment. He said, remember the story. I don't get mentioned. You can't see me. But I'm moving powerfully for my purpose. I'm going to preserve the church and I'm going to bring her home. And I say this to finish. Andy, if you could come up. At the end of the days, it says, the love of many will grow cold. When I come back, will I find any faith? Will anybody be saying, if I perish, I perish? Oh, it's going to get worse. People want mountains to fall on top of them. The nations are going to be shaken. And just when they think it's all over, the king will have one more move to be continued. I'm coming back. That sky wall, it will roll back like a scroll. And the king will come back for a preserved. We won't be limping in, by the way. We're going to be blameless. We're going to be holy. We're going to be strong. We're going to go in. And we're, it's going to be mighty for those who totally surrender everything and say, if I perish, I perish. But I know, young or old, doesn't matter if you're 80 or you're 8, you are in the kingdom for such a time as this. All of that was about trying to kill a seed. It's not you, it's what's in us. Said, if I, if I can kill this seed, if I can stop that seed getting to there, I'll stop redemption. I'll stop forgiveness and love and power and deliverance and joy and hope. I'll get the seed. And God said, you can do it. You can try, you can try and crush them, but he's going to crush your head. He's going to disarm the principalities and power. He's going to crush your head. I'm going to build a church of weak, foolish things in the world. And the world's going to be dumbfounded by us. And we're going to make a difference. Because we're in the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen and amen. Amen. Will you stand with me for a moment? I want to say to some people here this morning, can you give me can you look at me for a minute? It's not checkmate. Wherever you are, it's not checkmate. 
And I don't know, I'm not going to pray, God, get you out. I don't know when God will bring you out. I've been in situations. I've asked him to get me out. I've tried to manipulate my way out. I've tried to promote my way out. I've done everything to get out. And only now, after 30 years or, or, a thir- or, or more being a Christian, I look back and say, thank God you never took me out there too soon. Because God's more interested in the work he's doing in us than the work we're doing for him. He's, he's forming Christ in me. And I'll bless those who curse me and I'll forgive them. And I've become so like Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and I'm in the kingdom. And then this Christ is living in me by the power of his spirit. And now in him I live and move and have my being. And he's ordained places where we live and the countries we're in. And he puts borders in our life because we're not free. We've been bought at a price. We can't do what we want. I'm a, I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to the purpose of God. Or if I'm not, then I'm just attaching them onto everything else in my life. But he's well having a lucky charm. No, this is about dying that he may live. And you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Make it count. You know, time is gone, so I'm not going to give a call. But I just let me pray for you. Well, let me just say this to you. If you can come again like Esther and say, God, I... Yeah, there is difficulties that I do need to. I just want to do your will. I've lost a little bit of ground and I want to gain it again. I just want you to lift your hand and then we're going to pray. God bless you. Put it up high. He gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. Father, I thank you for every man and woman who's lifted their hands. And I pray... That sufficient grace, we're not asking for it, it's there. That you would strengthen them where they are. You would give them wisdom where they are. You would start moving and waking up and shaping things and give them favour where they are. Strengthen them, we pray. You've saw their tears, you've, you've saw their desperation. Some may be even living in fear or danger, I pray you. You touch them and protect them and be with them. And there are times where you do need to get out. There are times when God will open doors to get out. But I think you know my heart when I'm saying, but if, God, if you know God has put you there, rest in his presence and say, God, I know you'll preserve me. Lord, I pray for every man and woman here uh, and every grandchild represented in their children. We lift them into your hands and we know that you are moving mightily even when our hand can't see it. Help us not to miss sandwiches. Help us and give us the grace to stand. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.